Hey, Dylan Kelly here, host of the Wave Break Podcast. Excited to get into this episode, but first, here's a quick word from our sponsor. If you're looking to grow your business, there's only one way, and that is by building real quality customer relationships. Most marketing software will claim they do this, but they never deliver on their promises, and you need to demand more from your marketing software. And that's where Klaviyo comes in. Klaviyo helps you build meaningful customer relationships by listening and understanding cues from your customers, allowing you to easily turn that information into valuable marketing messages. And that's why 10,000 innovative brands, including all of our clients at Wavebreak, have switched to Klaviyo. Now, What's the secret to building those customer relationships? Tune in to Clavio's Beyond Black Friday docu-series to find out and unlock exact marketing strategies you can use to keep momentum going all year round. Just head over to clavio.com slash beyond BF for more. Link is going to be down in the show notes below. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Waybreak Podcast. Super stoked to be bringing you this brand new episode of the podcast. It's always exciting. It's always fun and really excited to get into this one. But um, first things first, I want to just say thanks for listening to the podcast. Once again, the podcast has been growing like crazy and just always a pleasure, you know, to look at the downloads and, and see the downloads grow because I've really been putting a lot of work into the show behind the scenes. And like I've been saying all along, like there's a ton of great interviews in the pipeline and really excited for these to come out. Um, they're coming out week by week. Today is another one of those. Um, I'm chatting with Lindsay Rubin from a company called V-Dog and they make vegan dog food, which is really interesting concept, really tough niche to be in. Obviously, people care a lot about their dogs, and it's a really weird spot, but they've been able to do a ton of things across their marketing and branding that are just really insane, and all of those things come back to Lindsay. She's vice president there, and uh, when she's not being the vice president, she's hanging out with her chihuahua, and she's taste testing a bunch of vegan mac and cheese, uh, which (laughs) we talk about later in the episode. You're going to learn a little bit more about me and my food groups, but yeah, it's super good to be back with another episode, and... I'm going to start with a story. So I always kind of been, I've always been starting with these stories lately, but basically here's the deal. There is at my gym, there is a deadlift platform. If you don't know what a deadlift platform is, like one of the lifts that is, um, it's not even popular because it's just like, it's one of the hardest lifts and it's just like, it's only for like, you know, really strong and tough people like me. Uh, (laughs) but, um, no, but just a lot of people don't like to do it. It's called the deadlift. Basically, what you do is you pick the weight up off the ground and you put it back down a bunch of times and it's, it's, it's a lot harder than it sounds. Anyway, I really like deadlifts and I was deadlifting this morning, but one thing that's been real annoying about this gym is that their air conditioning system is like kind of busted in the corner where the deadlift platform is and they have the deadlift platform so that you don't, um, so you're not just like clanking the weights on the ground and like giving everyone a headache at you know, early in the morning when you're working out. And so there's this platform and then there's AC unit like on the ceiling. And it's for the last few weeks, it's just been dripping. It's been dripping water. And today I came in and I don't know when the last time they emptied the bucket was, but, um, the, the bucket was just like, it was full. And this is all leaking out of the ceiling. Like you'd be surprised. It's a small, very small leak, just one drop at a time every 30 seconds. 
But over time, it's filling an entire bucket. So if you think of like a painter's bucket or something, I think it's called like, you know, the gallon bucket. Home Depot has the big orange ones. Ones like that. I'm not a very handyman, you know, guy, so I don't know the word for it. Um, I can I can swing a hammer, but I forget the word of the bucket. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so it's just leaking. It's just leaking. And, you know, it got me thinking like, you know, where in our lives are we letting out, you know, just a drop, just a drop every 30 minutes and it's adding up to over time be all this water, right? Like, you know, is that our energy on something or, or, you know, you think about in your e-commerce business, you know, like where are the holes in your business? And one of the biggest holes I see in everybody's business and like literally 99% of e-commerce stores get this wrong is in their email marketing. Um, nobody has it optimized, Nobody. Well, only 1% of stores do. I mean, most people are like doing no email marketing or they're doing their best, but it's just not, it's just, it's not quite there. It could be generating literally double the revenue. These are like all the people I talk to who come to work for, to work with Wavebreak, right? They're just leaving so much money on the table and, uh, you know, month to month and day to day and email to email, it doesn't seem like a lot because it's just a drop. But over time, you look at the numbers and you're leaving 500000 up to $5 million, up to $10 million, up to you know $20 million a year on the table, depending on the size of your business, by not having your email marketing optimized. And I want to help you do that and help you you know plug those gaps. And the way I've done that is I put together a checklist. You've heard me talk about it before, but if, if you're concerned about money falling out, especially you should really be concerned now about leaving money on the table because Black Friday is going to come. You're going to want to fill those holes before Black Friday comes and before you get busy and before you don't have time. And you can do it completely for free. All you got to do is pick up the checklist, the e-commerce email success checklist, and you can pick that up at emailsuccesschecklist.com. That's emailsuccesschecklist.com. Link is going to be down in the show notes below. That'll teach you everything you need to do to plug that hole. It's that easy. So go check that out. And now without further ado, let's hop right into this episode. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Lindsay. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah, it's a pleasure. Um, Really excited to dive into this episode and, and talk more. But before we dive into like the business side of things, so obviously now you're a vice president at VDog. But to get started, can you just kind of give us your background and like what your story is and how you got into this role that you are today? Absolutely. So I started with VDog about six years ago now, which is kind of wild. It really flies by. Um, VDog was really my first, well, second job at a college. I worked at a previous startup before that. Um, I always joke that I really weaseled my way in with our, our founder, Dave. So basically, I moved to California from New York um, after graduating from school over there. And I basically was in Sacramento. And at the time, that's where VDog was based. I found out that, um, you know, they weren't hiring, but I really was persistent about getting a meeting with Dave and I kind of just kept nudging him, nudging him until he met with me. And my role basically started out with really simple tasks, like simple operational stuff and really grew from there. I became the first um, on-staff full-time employee. Um, And since then, we've gone through lots of changes at the company, um, but we continue to grow. And fast forward six years, I'm still here. My role has expanded quite a bit and changed and we've added more people in. Um, but that's kind of the, the gist of how I got started here. That's awesome. And now in your own words, I kind of did my best to describe what VDog does. Um, but like in your own words, like what's VDog? We are, hmm, what's the best way to put it? Let's see. So VDog is a vegan dog food and treat company. 
And what we do is we make 100% complete and balanced food for dogs, totally from plants. So we have a few different SKUs right now. We have a kibble and we have two different types of treats. We have our wiggle biscuits, which are organic. Those are our first organic product, actually. And then we have breath bones, which are a healthy chew for dogs. Um, all of our our products have these really crazy healthy ingredients in them, especially, for example, our breath bones that I just mentioned. They have chia seeds, broccoli, sweet potato, to the point where I'm always joking with people that my dog eats way healthier than I do, which is pretty much true, um, especially related back to your mac and cheese. <laughs> yeah, you, you, your dog definitely eats healthier than me. I'll tell you that. I got like <laughs> three food groups and one of them's pizza. So, yeah. <laughs> Yes, they're so healthy. So, I mean, we've actually been a business um, before I came on. Um, Dave started the business back in 2005. So as much as wow. plant-based food for dogs seems new, um, it, it only has been gaining more popularity and traction, especially within the pet food industry um, in the past few years. We've been around for 14 years. So what we're really proud of is the fact that we we have so many thousands of dogs all around the country thriving on this food, and the kibble is a pea protein-based formula. So, um, and just a, a quick background on kind of the concept of dogs eating plant-based, because you know, even myself, I was taught things about dogs and about their nutritional needs that aren't exactly correct. You know, based on the marketing we see on TV or on packaging, it really relates a dog to a wolf, which just scientifically is not true. They've been evolving alongside humans for thousands of years, and they're genetically different than wolves. They're actually physiologically omnivorous, which means they can not only digest, um, but they can make excellent use of starches in these plant foods. So it's a little background because I'm sure the listeners maybe are thinking, well, what the heck? Dogs need meat because that's kind of the first little point of action as far as um, where we come from and, and our whole plant-based nutrition component. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting. Uh, really interesting concept. So I'm, I'm curious and I'd like to hear this like from your perspective too. Like, so like what types of people are buying this? Cause obviously like the dogs aren't necessarily choosing to be vegan. Um, so is this like, are you guys targeting like the, like vegan pet owners? Is that basically what it comes down to? Yeah, I would say our main customer base are definitely vegetarian and vegan people who are choosing that for themselves and their household and even maybe their, their human children and really want to extend that onto their fur baby children. So it's mostly vegans are our customers. Um, and then we also have an additional segment of um, our formula is really incredible. And this honestly came as a surprise to us from the, it, we didn't expect it in the beginning um, is the allergy component dogs who are really itchy oh, wow. and it's so common um, there was a study that came out a couple years ago that the top allergens, like the top four allergens in dog food or for dogs are animal products. So we eliminate that right off the bat. There's no, you know, dairy or chicken or beef or anything like that in our food. Those are rated the top allergens for dogs. So another segment of our customers are pet parents who have just tried everything under the sun and they're just like, my dog will not stop itching. I mean, we have this whole tab of, we call it miracle stories, which is kind of corny, but it's cute once you look at it um, on our testimonials page. And there's this one dog, Gucci, who their family just had no idea what to do. Like they, she just like lost all her hair. They tried every kind of food and the, the dad of Gucci wasn't even vegan and he just somehow found our food and it basically saved her life. So we hear wow, stories like awesome. that pretty often. So that's, mm -hmm. yeah, that's great. That's so cool. So like kind of like speaking. So oh, and Dylan, oh, yeah. let me, um, if I could just, I want to mention one thing too, is when with the choice factor, so 
a couple of things that we think about that is, um, you know, for uh, babies or dogs or um, beings that are kind of in our care, we take our, you know, as guardians, we have to do what we think is most responsible or healthy for them. So just like babies, dogs can't exactly make their food choices and we're already kind of providing them with a prepackaged food. So from our perspective, we're like, if they can get all of the nutrients they need with a food that they love the taste of that doesn't have to harm any other animals, that's kind of our perspective. Why wouldn't we choose this option? Um, and to add to that, we it sound, I always joke that it sounds so biased when I talk about it, but we actually just wrapped up editing a test taste video too that this customer sent in. And so often the dogs actually choose the vegan food over their previous meat-based kibble when it's placed next to each other. And I know how that sounds, but it's true. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's awesome. That's sweet. I need to start eating this stuff just so I can be healthier and get all my proper <laughs> nutrition and stop eating pizza. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's awesome. And so speaking of that, um, and just like the, the customers that you're targeting. So like, how do you like inside of marketing, like how do you reach those people? Cause obviously it's like a really unique set and, and group of people. So obviously the people are mostly vegans and mostly pet owners. Like, are you reaching them through like traditional channels, like using like, you know, paid advertising and things like that? Or like, what does your marketing strategy look like for this type of product? Sure. Yeah. We definitely have a combination of strategies and, the main one that has worked for us traditionally is we're so well integrated into the vegan community, which of course is like our main customer set. So our founder, Dave and his wife, Linda, they were really involved in, and Linda still is very involved in the animal rights movement back in Sacramento. So we kind of have these roots of being really well integrated into the community that benefits most and enjoys our product most. Um, so we go to a lot of vegan types of trade shows or veg fest. That's kind of our most traditional approach. And then from there, we've expanded into um, some social media marketing, paid ads, and we focus a lot on email marketing as well and generating email leads. Um, an important part of that for us, it's, it's really successful because there's a learning curve to this, right? So with email, we're allowed to provide people facts and information and links and help and support and we can kind of see there's so many analytics to it so we can see who's actually reading it we can kind of calculate a lot of value out of that um, based on the customers and the analytics nice yeah that's awesome that's really cool and so specifically like with the so with the email thing like so you're sending them to like lead magnets or like what does that strategy look like magnets i, I don't know why i can say it <laughs> it's a hard word um <clears throat> As far as email campaigns go, I can give you an example of what we're running right now. So July, we celebrate Vegan Dog Month, and this is our third annual Vegan Dog Month. So this year, we decided to kind of kick it up a notch. Did you guys and invent this? We, <laughs> yes, we did. Okay, I wasn't <laughs> what sure. What makes you guess that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, maybe it's a thing. Who knows? I mean, there's a month for everything, right? Vegan dog I know. Month. Well, it's a thing now. We got to figure. Yeah, know, you guys we, own we it. Just got to keep pushing forward. Happy yes. Vegan Dog um, Month, sponsored by Vito. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes, Happy Vegan Dog Month. So, what we're doing this year is we brought on some more people to expand um, our kind of activations this month and add more fun to it. So, we actually did the giveaway part last year as well. We give away a year's worth of kibble. Um, and we do that on a splash page where we get an email and people can enter there. Um, so that's a really fun way for us to get lots of emails and connect with people interested in, in what we do. And additionally, we're combining that with a, 
social media giveaway where we give away a, a bunch of treat prize packs every week in order, um, or should I say when people enter using a hashtag, they post an adorable picture of their dog and explain why their dog is vegan and why they're passionate about it. And they tag us and then we put them into a pool of entrance. And then we're also doing an in-person event at the end of the month here in San Francisco at DuBose Park. And um, at the event, people can also sign up and enter to win not just the year's worth of kibble, but actually a weekend stay at the Stanford Inn. So we've kind of added a bunch of layers. And this is an, a, a kind of like a specific example of how we kind of tie everything together and have email as the, the base component of these activations. Email's great. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. yes. <laughs> obviously, I'm a big fan. Um, but yeah, yes. that's cool. <laughs> That's, so you've been with the team for a while now, uh, and you've been with the business for a while. I mean, basically, I mean, obviously not since the beginning, since it's been around for so long, but I mean, you've been around there, you've been there for a very long time at this point, um, and through a lot of the growth, uh, you were there early on. So my question for you now is like, as you've grown the business, like what's kind of been the like, I don't know, number one problem or kind of like issue or kind of like struggle that you guys have had to overcome over the last few years? I would say a big one is um, I would say a big one is budget allocation and allocating budgets to what, what is most successful and what makes the most sense when you're kind of starting from scratch or a really low level. Right. An example of that is Are you guys branding, bootstrapped? Right? We are. Yeah, we don't nice. we don't have any outside investment. We're actually a family business. Um, so we've we've stayed that way over the years. So that's where we're at now. Um, but, but an example is graphic design in order to have a really good brand. Um, my perspective is that a lot of it starts in branding, brand architecture, your look and feel your website, all of that stuff. But at the time when you have to make that upfront investment, it can be really expensive with the right people. So something that I I tend to talk about is the worth of that investment and kind of really just understanding that that's important and, and, making it work as much as you can. Of course, you, know, you can't make money out of thin air, but if you have it to like really prioritize that. Um, and then additionally, finding the right people, whether it's photographers, people we've added in, and it's taken us a while to find the right people for our photographers, um, advertising people, marketing and strategy people. So in the, in the more recent past, we've added all of those in, and it's a matter of kind of figuring out the timing, especially being a family business and kind of prioritizing what's most important when and and eventually bringing it all together got it yeah and i mean your branding is super on point um so i want to dive into that in a sec but like so like do you kind of have like a framework or kind of like a step-by-step kind of like i don't know like i guess like what can you dive a bit deeper into kind of like your thought process on like how you figure out what to prioritize especially in marketing when there's like so many things that you could be doing and throwing money at i wish i had like a perfect step-by-step list that would be so helpful i could probably form something but what i will say is as we were going through it, we didn't have a list. And being such a small team, we we work really closely together. We all wear a lot of hats and um, we kind of do a lot of egalitarian decision-making. That's something that's really important at our company. Um, and that being said, it's been a learning process, I would say. And I think that, you know, speaking of photographers, we've worked with a few that just like turned out less than ideal. And we didn't, you know, that's the way we learned is a lot of experimenting. So unfortunately, I think that comes with it a little bit. But for us, something that I'm really fortunate to be able to operate from is we have the mission driven component of our business. So very often, for example, um, we work with an advertising company, 
and it's run by people who also identify as vegan. So when there's that extra layer of um, passion and authenticity and excitement with people you're bringing in to work with, that really helps. And I'm sure, you know, ours ours is a vegan thing. It's specific to, to what we do, but I'm sure that can translate over to, I don't know, if you're a surfboard company and you work with people who are passionate about surfing or about the ocean or um, ocean life. So I, I, I speak from our perspective, but I think that that could also benefit other companies, just that excitement and passion. Um, if you're able to kind of grow at a slow and steady pace as far as hiring like we do and have um, kind of that privilege as far as I know a lot of companies are more actively hiring, so it might be a little trickier, but I think that's something worth worth noting with with that type of stuff. Yeah, totally. I think that's a big thing too. I, it makes your decision a lot easier. Like if the person is like, and it's not even like they have to be, I mean, like you said, like it's not necessarily just like a vegan thing, like a vegan helping a vegan, um, but also just like in general, like the people who are stoked and like excited <laughs> for the surf example, stoked, uh, the people who are like excited about <laughs> your brand and what you're doing, I mean, they're going to work a lot harder and they're going to have a lot more because they're going to be having a lot more fun doing it and because they believe in it. Um, so I think that's a great lesson in that to, to look for people who aren't just, you know, good at what they do and maybe even find somebody who's like not as good as the next person. But because they're so, you know, engaged in what you're doing, like you're actually going to get better results just because of that overlap versus being, you know, the other person being 1% better at the actual specific, you know, I don't know, paid advertiser, whatever it is, right? Um, but yeah, that's really Exactly. Well, that's how I, that's how I kind of weaseled my way in. I mean, I didn't, I was pretty young and I didn't have tons of experience, but I, I think that a lot of what Dave saw was this passion that I had. And I am, you know, I'm kind of that friend who's like, like obsessed with animals, obsessed with dogs. So I had that going for me and I'm just like very passionate about, you know, animal rights and things like that. So the fact that I had that going for me and I was so excited and so eager, um, I really value that for my position now. And I always try to instill that as best I can in other people when they're going for jobs is to really go for things that you're excited about if possible. Yeah, totally. That's awesome. And so one thing I want to dive a bit deeper into as well that you kind of touched on is the whole branding aspect, just because, I mean, I've seen a lot of e-commerce brands and, and seen a lot of things, uh, a lot of stores, a lot of brands. And one thing you've done really well is just like, I mean, number one, like you've, you've nailed the branding. Everything looks clean. Everything looks premium. Like just by looking at your website, it's like I automatically trust you. So like, what are, what's your thought process behind that? Like, how are you able to, to do that? Well, thank you. That, that's so nice to hear. We Sometimes I'm just so immersed in it and I'm always think, kind of thinking, oh, like, what could we do better? What could we improve on? And, 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 you know, branding is something that's always evolving. So it's, but it's, it's good to hear that you like it. I appreciate that. Thank you. And we owe it all to our brand architects. So we've worked with them since the beginning. They're the ones that come up with the architecture of our products, the lines, the naming, the look. They came up with the, the like, our kind of iconic dog leaf ear logo. It sounds funny when I call it that, but I guess... I guess that explains it. If you see our packaging, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and I'm happy to, you know, if anyone's interested, I'm happy to later connect them with who we work with. They're a super awesome company. They work with, um, especially with ethical brands as well. So they kind of have that niche where they work with um, certain types of companies too. So they're they're also passionate people. But um, it's so much about finding the right the right company, the right people um, to do that. And and they're not, you know, someone that we have on staff. It's definitely something that works well in a sort of contracted role because our brand architecture, you know, we have a more day-to-day -day, um, graphic design team in place, but for the big picture stuff, it's, it's, um, it's a big cost, but finding the right person, like I was talking about earlier, is just so important. So the best thing I can do is, is recommend, 
you know, really getting to know them, maybe having some sort of, you know, obviously looking at their portfolio and seeing the other stuff. And if what they've designed before is creative and it really wows you and makes you think, wow, this, this is someone that I would want to design my website or come up with a logo because logos are so important. Um, and, you know, taglines and things like that. So just really feeling like you're picking the right person and maybe make sure to, to interview a few or look out for a few. Um, I think that's my best advice at this time, but we got lucky with ours. So if, if anyone wants to actually be connected with them, I'd be happy to do that too. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's really interesting. So like you guys don't actually, so you work with them on like naming all the products and everything? Yes. Yeah. They came up with the, the names for our product and we have new products, which are working on a couple of new ones now um, that we're hoping to launch in the next year or so. They do the naming structure. So it's a very specific thing because you have to be good at it. And I feel like sometimes we, we sit around and we think, oh, you know, we can name this product that. And it's just like, it's easy to come up with lots of brainstorming and ideas, but to actually kind of implement it and put it in place and you have to research, you have to make sure the names aren't trademark there's a lot to it and it seems easy like oh let's just name this like new dog food like dylan stew and that sounds cool let's Ooh, throw dylan that on the package stew. but <laughs> coming soon pizza flavored yeah oh so. yes yes i would endorse <laughs> that i'll send you guys an invoice to, to use my name <laughs> it's because yes, i actually use a photo property. on the packaging um <laughs> but yeah no yes. what you're saying is so true like i had a a, a client recently it's just like they were going through some rebranding and it's like they find all these great names and then it's like denied, denied, denied because yes. like there's just two similar trademarks and all these things. And as your business grows, like in the beginning, you think like, oh, it's not a big deal. You know, I'll figure it out later. But like as you build your brand, you spend so much time building it. And then, I mean, like later on to, you know, potentially get, you know, in trouble for that and have to get rid of it. I mean, it's just like, it's like this big thing that you don't think about in the beginning, but then it's super important to make sure you have it nailed as you grow because you don't want that to happen when your business is big and you just you lose your whole brand that you've spent years building. Exactly. And it's not cheap to do that either, of course. You know, like you want to prioritize what's best for the company and the, the, the budgetary component is part of it. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it, it's really difficult when, it, when something like that happens farther down the line. Totally. Yeah, that's really interesting. So I'm curious, like one more question on that is like, how does the process work for like, how does the naming, like, what is the naming process even like, how does a company structure that? I'm just curious. Cause like, I mean, like when I think of a name, it's just like, Oh, let me think of a name. Uh, yeah. But like, I'm sure like, since they're able to do it so in, in such a repeatable way, like, what is that kind of like, can you kind of walk us through like what that process is like working through like coming up with a, a brand name and or product name and things like that? <clears throat> Yeah, for sure. The way that we've worked with our brand architects is we basically say, hey, I'll give an example. We, you know, a couple of years ago, we added in um, our wiggle biscuits and those are our, like organic, crunchy little dog treats. So with their knowledge, they've they've done this before. You know, I'm I'm not the expert in it. That's why we kind of go to them. And they luckily have that experience of saying, OK, you want to add in a new treat. So it's going to have to have, you know, if you look at our treat bag, if, if anyone's on our website, it's says V-Dog, which is our logo, and then it has Wiggle Biscuits, and then it has Blueberry, or it has Peanut Butter. So that's part of the structure that the architects know how to set up. Now, even taking that a step back is if you kind of look at a wider view, we have our Kibble, which is our first product. So it kind of matches the setup there where we have the logo, the product name, and then like the flavor, the size of the Kibble. Um, 
And just kind of a step back from that is like creating the logo and the tagline, maybe the right shape, the right size. You kind of, I think that these architects kind of see in the future a little bit as much as you can't predict exactly 100%. But for example, you know, we have the packages of our kibble and our breath bones and something we're working on possibly is a canned food. So of course that will be a different shape, you know, more like a cylindrical shape. So everything kind of has to be adaptive to that. But again, you know, now that they've set up the, the back structure for it, it can kind of have that same flow of logo, product name, flavor type of deal. Um, but, but just to add one more thing is even they're, they're smart enough, these, these designers and like something that, you know, probably none of us would have thought of is you kind of have to set it up in a way where it has the space for that flavor, right? Because we didn't necessarily have a plan. We just kind of launched the peanut butter ones first, but they were smart enough to know, okay, let's make sure we structure this in a way where it gives a flexibility of other flavors. So I have a feeling that's a very, you know, any designers maybe listening to this, maybe that's like an, a totally obvious thing, but it was something that I was excited to learn. And it seems obvious once you learn it, but it's, it's really cool. I wish I was as magical as them. They're, they're so good at what they do. <laughs> yeah, for real. I feel like you're either a designer or you're like, not at all, almost. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's like they just think differently or something. But yeah, it's super yeah. cool to get kind of like, uh, like to, to just peel behind the curtain and to see that like, it is a process that you can follow when to like figure things out. It's, it doesn't just have to be like this crazy kind of ad hoc thing. That's just like, ah, how do we come up with a name? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's really interesting. And it's just interesting to know that, like, to come up with your branding, like, that you have worked with a company to do that. Um, I feel like a lot of people, like, don't even think of that as an option when it comes for something like that. So that's really interesting. And so, like, as we begin to s- sort of wrap up here, one thing I want to ask is, like, as you guys have grown the company, is there anything, and you could even say nothing, um, but, like, is there anything that sticks out in terms of, like, something that you might do differently along the way or, like, things you might prioritize differently or pay attention to? Like, maybe it's in the branding, maybe it's not. Is there anything that you might do differently, like, now that hindsight's twenty twenty? Yeah, I think we would. I think that, and I talked a little bit about photography before. I think I would have put more priority into finding the right photographers and getting the right photos because for a while we used a lot of stock images, which, you know, we're kind of one step ahead of a lot of other brands. And I'll say this bragging because we have dogs as our main (laughs) kind of focus. So we're lucky enough automatically to like have cute pictures, even if they're stock photos so that we kind of relied on that for, I would say too long. So having custom photography. And again, it's an expense, but you can find the right people, whether you use certain like websites or you get connected through friends. I feel like most people have a friend of a friend who's a photographer, or if not, you know, you can do some searching and there are sites like Upwork, which we haven't used, but I'm familiar with them. And, um, we kind of just got connected with people through business and friend connections, honestly. And I do wish that we had that sooner because it really elevates your brand and your website and, your social media to the next level and how we got there aside from being connected with friends was really just kind of like lighting the fire under ourselves as far as seeing other social media accounts and just seeing like, yes, social media is fun and playful and our Instagram, we do a lot of reposting. We love like sharing our actual customers and posting funny dog memes and videos and stuff and farmed animals and vegan stuff. But all a lot of um, other brands, they just post like really beautiful content in, in addition to that. And I wanted us to have that too. So if I could change something, I would have probably sped that up to go back a little, um, do that a little sooner than we did. 
Got it. Yeah, and I would say that's especially important nowadays when there's so much content out there that like, I mean, I was looking at a business Instagram today. I mean, it's for a software company, but it's just like, I was looking at the Instagram and it's just like, I don't know. It wasn't even like, there weren't even stock photos. It was just kind of like <laughs> plain quote text on just like these images. And uh, they had a decent amount of followers, but the engagement was like terrible. And I'm like, yeah, because like nobody really, like nobody really wants to follow that. Like there's no, it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, it's just kind of ugly. Like you don't want to look at these ugly things all day. Like, and then they post every <laughs> yeah. single day this ugly quote. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Yeah, I mean, that's probably one of the reasons why, like, when I look at your store and I look at your company and, you know, I do my research like I would, you know, if I was a customer, like your customers do, it's like, oh, like, this is a great brand and this is, you know, I can trust them. And, I mean, you guys even are doing, like, memes and, like, funny images and stuff um, on your Instagram, too, which is great. And I think that's the right way to do it. Like, not just be like, hey, here, here, we're this company. Here's a, you know, here's a quote or here's a stock photo. It's like actually, you know, entertain people and give them a reason to keep following. Yes. That's awesome. Cool. So as we start to wrap up here, um, do you have any kind of like closing thoughts or, or words of advice to end on? Um, I feel like I always have more thoughts, but I can't think of anything <laughs> right now. I feel like I've been doing tons of talking. So hopefully yeah, can no worries. No, you've done a great pull job. Pull some of that together. Yeah, for sure. I, I no, like you've given you've given a lot of great tips. I mean, everything from branding to figuring out where to invest in the growth of your company. I mean, it's a lot of good a lot of good advice there to unpack. Um so yeah, I think you're fine on that. And now as we wrap up here, where can we go to learn more about you, Lindsay, and V Dog? You can go to V Dog.com. That's where all the info about us and our company and our products and everything. Um, is on our website there. We also have our products for sale on Chewy and Amazon. Nice. That's awesome. Awesome. So I'll link that all up down in the show notes below. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Lindsay. Thank you so much, Dylan. Now, listener, before I sign off, stop me if this sounds familiar. Your email marketing is stuck. You feel like you could be doing email better. You're not generating enough email revenue, and you feel like you're leaving money on the table but you don't have the time to figure email out yourself or or do it on your own because you have a business to run. Imagine this. Imagine not having to worry about leaving money on the table with your email marketing. Imagine not having to figure out what to send, when to send it, how many emails should look, what automation you need, what segments you need, how often you should be contacting your email list or just worrying about sending the next email. You don't have to worry about any of that. Imagine having peace of mind knowing that your email marketing is generating sales in good hands. At Wavebreak, we help Shopify stores maximize their email marketing revenue. That's it. We don't do anything else. And we've created a system called the Wavebreak method that, number one, makes you less dependent on Facebook or other marketing channels. Let's say something bad happens. Facebook says, see you later, Shopify store, and they just completely kill your ad traffic overnight. You don't have to worry. You don't have to stress because you're good to go because you have a cushion of email revenue. You don't have to worry about how or what what your wife is going to do or if you're going to be able to make rent or if you're going to be able to pay people because you have this cushion of email revenue to rely on. Number two, the second thing this does is huge and it's how stores scale from seven figures to eight figures to nine figures. And the secret is repeat purchases. The Wavebreak method gets rid of one-time buyers and increases repeat orders. Number three, it keeps your email list engaged. 
You don't have to worry about Black Friday and beyond. We'll figure out the ideal amount of times that your list needs to be contacted to maximize revenue, and then we'll execute it for you. If you want to learn more about this system and how we can work together to apply it to your business, go to wavebreak.co to schedule a call with me. And I'll personally send you my calendar link and we can chat one-on-one. Now, I don't have unlimited time to do these calls. I can only do a couple of them per week. So if you want to get your call, uh, go sign up at wavebreak.co for it as soon as possible. And we can talk about how we can work together. Thanks for listening to this episode. Subscribe to the show on iTunes to get notified of new episodes as soon as they drop. 